Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little boy named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Canada, and I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. Thanks for supporting us for the past 100 episodes. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page, where you can find out how you can join us for our monthly patron webinar, where we do a deeper dive discussion about all things perimenopause. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. It's Dr. Lisa with Dr. Tony again. It's been a while, Tony. I think we haven't recorded together in 2024 yet, right? Oh my goodness. This is our first 2024 episode together. Woohoo! It's going to be awesome because we're revisiting an overview of what perimenopause is. And if you're in perimenopause, it's, it's like, now what, right? What do you need to know? What are some things you can do to figure out what's going on? And then what are some of the tools that can help you? And we're going to go over a couple of case studies of real life women going through perimenopause right now as we speak and ways that we've supported them. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. We want to do a high level overview of perimenopause and we'll link to episode 122 where we dive deeper into all the different patterns and symptoms. Um, But you're going to get some good starting points and some good kind of paths to take depending on what your experience. How does that sound, Tony? I love it, uh, Lisa, because again, I'm, of course, I'm talking about perimenopause more and more with the women who come to see me. I mean, I have women who are experiencing symptoms, and they know that things are changing, and really don't know exactly what's going on and, and the options that are there for them. I even see women who you know, reach their 40s. And they come to see me and they're and they say, Okay, I'm terrified of perimenopause. I hear all of these horror stories. And you know, what can I do? So, you know, whether you're in the throes of it, or are just really curious of how to prepare yourself, this is, you know, a great episode to look at. And, and definitely the first piece of perimenopause is the different symptoms that you can experience and also the timing because i'm again i for some women we're having the conversation around perimenopause in their late 30s where they may be experiencing really increased pms or irregular starting to get maybe some irregular cycles um shortening of cycles lengthening of cycles skipping periods there and 
A big one, of course, is having, you know, hot flashes during the day or maybe even hot flashes at night. Um, maybe not consistently, maybe at certain times of their cycle, night sweats, and then also looking at worsening sleep, insomnia. Again, this could be happening throughout the cycle or at certain times of the cycle. Uh, there can be uh, so many other symptoms, joint pain, muscle aches, uh, increased urinary tract infections, even uh, vaginal dryness can happen, uh, at, you know, depending on where you're at in perimenopause. And of course, there can be all sorts of different emotional components, mood swings, rage. It can be linked to PMS. It can be throughout the cycle as well. You know, it's a whole laundry list. And we always like to say, you know, the only thing predictable about perimenopause is that it's unpredictable. And you can go through months where you feel, maybe you feel fine. And then the symptoms come back, new symptoms pop up. Our hormones are in a great time of flux. And it's the period, it could be four years, eight years, 10 years before you're defined as being in menopause. And menopause is defined if you've gone 12 months without a without a period. Um, so there's a whole, you don't really know like when you're in it 100% until, you know, you reach that menopause uh, definition. You are going to know because of the symptoms that you're having, but it is such a variable time period. And some months it might feel like you have really bad PMS and then other months you might go without a period for a while and feel like you're in menopause with the hot flashes and the vaginal dryness. So it's very up and down and it can cycle through different phases during those four to eight months. And it's always important to track, right? And see if you're noticing any patterns. Maybe you notice you're getting a period every two months. So the simplest way, just put day one of your period in your Google calendar. So you know when you got your period, or you can use a menstrual cycle app, you can use, we'll link to, um, there's a good perimenopausal diary that you can print off and just track all the symptoms that you're experiencing. So you may have a pattern, there may then be periods where it's really irregular, but you want to tune into those rhythms as much as possible and then talk about it with those around you, right? Explain like if you are getting a period and you know it's coming, that if you're going to get worse PMS and heavy flow, you know, or you're going to be more irritable, maybe talk to your partner and say, look, these are the days that you know, I might need a little bit more help. I might need to rest a little bit more. I'm going to do my best not to bite your head off, but, you know, um, please don't take it personally. I'm going to be as, you know, as patient as I can be, but it's really hard when your hormones are raging. We can rage and we can have these emotional outbursts and releases, releases, especially, you know, if you're not sleeping and not feeling so good, it all really adds up. Absolutely. And I think, think, you know, again, that piece of the unpredictability is really important to recognize. It's a transition that not every woman goes through in the same way, which can be a little bit frustrating, a little bit irritating, because it's because there can be so much unknown. When is it that you're going to have your very last period? When is it that you're going to be in menopause? I mean, I I remember being in that piece, of course, being now in menopause myself, where it's like, is this the year I'm in menopause? And then it's like, nope, not yet. Maybe next year. You, you, you never know. Um, 
And while, again, there can be a lot of commonality between what you're experiencing with other women, there are, we we know that there's different patterns. And especially if you go back to that earlier episode, we talk uh, about the different patterns of how you can go through um, perimenopause, the different patterns of hot flashes. You may start off with hot flashes. You may not get hot flashes until later on in perimenopause, and or they may stop when you're in menopause. They may continue when you're in menopause. Again, you know, there's there are different patterns. It's it's really is hard to say like how exactly you are going to experience perimenopause. Definitely. We can talk about, you know, three major hormones. So what's typically happening, so we focus on estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then I guess four cortisol is important too. But what typically happens is as we're entering in our perimenopausal years, we're not as fertile, right? You still have the potential to get pregnant, but you your eggs are not of great quality, so they're not as likely to get fertilized and survive. Um, you're less likely to have that implantation if it does get fertilized. The uterine lining may not be so great. You may not make enough progesterone to maintain a pregnancy. So what typically starts to happen is you have cycles where you're not ovulating. And we make progesterone when we ovulate. And we need progesterone. It's our chill-out hormone. It helps us sleep. It helps reduce anxiety. It helps, you know, prevent spotting and a lot of the PMS symptoms that you can get. It helps stop your flow from being too heavy, like from building up too much of a lining. So what typically happens first is some of the cycles you're not ovulating, or if you are, you're not making the same amount of progesterone that you were when you were ovulating when you were younger. So it's like an insufficiency. So then the estrogen that you have appears stronger than it would if, if you had enough progesterone. So some people call it estrogen dominant. Some people hate that term. Some people like it. But what's really happening is, yeah, the estrogen's higher relative to the progesterone. So usually in the early parts of perimenopause, women can have heavier flow. They might have spotting, irregular periods, breast tenderness, worse PMS symptoms. Um, As time goes on, then that estrogen starts to decline. We have less eggs, less, um, you know, ovarian reserve. Um, There's less, you know, the brain starting to yell at the ovaries to uh, to make a follicular egg mature to then ovulate, but there's nothing there. So the FSH is the signal from the brain that goes up. We don't make um, as much estrogen. And then so progesterone is like lower than normal over time. That estrogen, you know, is kind of up and down, up and down, relatively high. Maybe it's low some cycles. And then over time, it gets kind of more consistently low. And then you might have more of those menopausal symptoms like hot flashes and vaginal dryness, you know, we can have lower mood, lower vitality, lower energy. Um, you know, sleep is bad as well when estrogen's low, especially if you're getting the hot flashes, progesterone more supporting sleep um, because it's like an anxiolytic when, you know, taken orally or made in your body. And then testosterone is just slowly declining. It's one of those hormones that just declines, you know, after, you know, every year after, you know, maybe our early 30s, we start to get that lowered testosterone being produced. And then the cortisol levels, because the other hormones are kind of dropping, it can appear relatively higher. So we feel more overwhelmed, more stressed out, more anxious than 
when we were having more predictable hormone cycles because they do change through the month and there's a predictable pattern. But in perimenopause, it's like that symphony's gone awry and now it's like jazz. Like it's like, here's estrogen. No, now there's progesterone. Like it's all over the place and there's no rhyme or reason. That's how I see jazz, but I don't know about you, Tony. I I really love that metaphor. And I don't know if any jazz musicians would appreciate that or not. And uh, again, it's it's a little bit more like maybe experimental jazz where where it's there kind of go. like all over the place, right? Or um uh, you know, yes, absolutely. It's not necessarily following a nice, smooth, easy rhythm for sure. And being able to to again kind of look past that and see, okay, can you find a rhythm in that? Is there any rhythm that's um, that's there can be helpful to look at? But also, okay, looking at what's going on, like what's the lay of the land to look at, you know, some of the, the testing. And, and this is where, you know, a lot of women will be like, okay, I want to look at what my hormones are doing. The question is, okay, what do we really want to look at when it comes to doing any kind of workup, um, getting some lab testing to see what's happening? We can look in different ways at those hormones you mentioned, Lisa. And there's also a number of other pieces to look at as well of diff- other hormones and other things that can influence your hormones influence how you're experiencing perimenopause and really, again, supporting your health, not only now, but down the road as you go into menopause as well. So it doesn't make sense to get a hormone baseline. Uh, and again, sometimes absolutely, if especially if it fits within your budget or your your you know health coverage for sure it can be super helpful to see okay where are we at right now especially depending on what kind of patterns you're experiencing with your periods because we also do want to look if we are doing any hormone testing it's at a specific time in your cycle because again there there is looking at those those fluctuations and how your hormones change over the month so now does it make sense to again test your FSH LH like um you mentioned Lisa where you know the brain starts to kind of shout at the ovaries can we pick up on that or not some women who are in perimenopause especially early perimenopause there's no change in the FSH or LH um later on in perimenopause that's where we may see that more do we want to look at what is that balance of your three different types of estrogen and your progesterone? How are they being broken down? Are you breaking down your estrogen efficiently and in a manner that's healthy and serving you? Because if that doesn't happen, that could absolutely impact the PMS, impact irritability, impact rage. And being able to really look at how your body is breaking down those hormones um, is typically what we see when we do a really a comprehensive urine hormone uh, test like the Dutch test that's available. Um, that also gives us an idea of what's happening with your testosterone, your androgens, doesn't give us an idea of 
it also gives us a great idea of what's happening with your adrenal function and your cortisol. Are, are your adrenal glands burning out? Are they able to keep up with a ideal cortisol production? Because we need enough. We don't need too much, not too little. Uh, and, and there's a number of other tests, though, that we're not necessarily able to see with the Dutch test that can be helpful when it comes to blood work. All good. Yeah, all good investigations that can be considered. So, you know, have that discussion with your naturopathic doctor, your healthcare provider, being conscious of, you know, how is your cycle? Do you have a regular cycle? What days would you test on? Like if you test progesterone, ideally you're testing it seven days after ovulation. So if you have a longer cycle, like 35 days, you're going to want to test around day 28. Um, so there's lots of nuances here. And yeah, it is a snapshot in time for a blood test. Some of the saliva and cortisol testing you do over a period of several days. There is even, you know, monthly cycle monitoring, but to be honest, that's, mm -hmm. you know, kind of out of reach for a lot of people in terms of budget. But based on a lot of the signs and symptoms, you know, we're able to kind of tease out and make an educational, I don't want to say guess, but an assessment um, based on what's going on. And then you also just want to get, you know, the full thyroid panel, fasting glucose, fasting insulin to see if there's insulin resistance. There's a calculation you can do using those, you know, the iron panel, the ferritin, the iron stores, your B12, your vitamin D levels, all of these are going to influence how you feel. So you just want to make sure everything else is optimized too, because if it's not, you're just going to experience perimenopause, you know, in, in a more worse way. Um, if some of these other values are low or high or need to be addressed. So you want to have that baseline. And then I find perimenopause is a time of big, big questions in a lot of women's lives, right? They're questioning where they are with their career, with their relationship, with their finances. It's kind of like, you know, you pick up a snow globe and you shake it up and it's like, let's see where everything settles, right? It's where we're shaking everything up because we're feeling a lot different. We're noticing these changes. We're not going to put up with maybe things we put up with when we were younger. We just don't have, you know, the patient, patience and we recognize, I recognize anyway, that, you know, life is finite, the life that we know on earth anyway. Um, and it's like, how do I want to spend, you know, this next chapter of my life? So it's a really a good time to do a life inventory, right? In terms of what you're putting in, for, like, what are you doing for yourself? Are you giving too much to others? Are you where you want to be in your career, your relationship? Do you need to get some therapy or support? Um, a lot of women I find that have had perfectionist tendencies during this age, it's sometimes the time where we realize we can't keep those tendencies up, right? We can't have the perfect house. We can't have the perfect appearance all the time, the perfect schedule. It's letting go of those things that are no longer serving us and questioning what you know, is actually serving us and not just doing things because that's how we've always done them. And that's the way we've seen them done before us. So it is a big time of upheaval. And, you know, we've talked about this in 
previous episodes as well, even the last one you did as a solo episode, Tony, and we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, the mind-body connection. So um, don't be surprised as you go through perimenopause if some of these big questions come up, right? And just allow yourself to be open to change, to be open to doing things a little bit differently and pressing the easy button, right? Remembering what's really important at the end of the day. So I found I find that's made me go through this perimenopause experience with more ease and grace where I'm just trying to enjoy life. And if my house isn't perfectly clean, if my legs aren't shaved, like it's small things, but it adds up, right, Tony? It <laughs> okay really, yes. it really does. And I find again, that this this piece of this reevaluation, this questioning of how you've done things and is it serving you, has a huge impact on how you experience your physical symptoms during perimenopause. It is how you're, those stressors and how are you pushing yourself? What are you, what are your limits? What are your boundaries? What are your capabilities? It's going, it's shifting. And again, and we've talked about this too, in terms of cyclical living, Lisa, we're so used to pushing ourselves in a way that doesn't fit our natural monthly rhythms. Is it time to really step back, reevaluate, really look at what works for you? Are you meeting your needs? Um, it's going to look different every day. Are you filling your cup? Are you or are you running on empty? Are you running on fumes? Are you are you um, looking to give to others from uh, an empty cup? This is a fantastic time to really shift things, and uh, and a fantastic time, especially if you again are one of those typical women where we're socialized to be giving to others and to be so focused on family and others, this is a really great time to really start to look inward and and ask some of those big questions for this next huge phase in our life to achieve and fulfill what we're really here to fulfill while we're here on earth. Definitely. Yeah. We don't want to freak anybody out who's just like maybe not quite in perimenopause. You might not have, you know, an exist as existential, as existential, is that how you say it? Crisis. You might be like totally fine where you are, but for a lot of people, this does come up, right? So we want to set the stage for allowing your body to be in a state to manage these ups and downs and transition, you know, your life, your career, your relationships, and then even looking at your external environment, right? Like I've gotten more into um, an awareness of using essential oils and crystals and light therapy and hydrotherapy, You getting out in nature, you Using things like surrounding yourself in things, plants, you know, flowers, whatever it is that are going to just fill up your cup and help shift your state or get you into kind of that Zen state or that mindful state or an energetic state to start the day, whatever it is that you need. There's so many different tools out there. So is there a way you can make an area in your house a sanctuary where you go for some quiet time, you light some candles, you do some gratitude journaling after you've done kind of that worry journaling, 
dumping all the worries and negative thoughts and then ending it in what you're grateful for. This is also going to help to have that sanctuary, that space, those environmental cues that are going to support balanced nervous system function. Absolutely, Lisa. Uh, Like, you know, that nervous system regulation is so important when it comes to our emotional and mental health. And it's so important when it comes to our hormonal health to, you know, to tap into that Zen, to tap into that calm, that parasympathetic nervous system response. That's really where we're designed to live. (laughs) So the more we can tap into that, because a lot of us are not living in that space for the majority of our day, you know, and that's where looking at, okay, what are are those things that trigger that stress response, trigger that sympathetic fight or flight or freeze or fawn? Can we limit those? Can we minimize those, that trigger or that activation? And can we shift out of that as quickly as possible? And that's where, again, looking at your environment and how you can really Again, care for yourself, not just, you know, um, you know, doing a bubble bath, but looking at all of those pieces to really fill your cup, support the warm and fuzzy, support that calm and relaxation, you know, have some time, have some stillness that all can reap such benefits when it comes to how you manage your symptoms. I totally agree. A stillness, a lot of people are lacking in their life. And a lot of times we're consuming, consuming, you know, knowledge, information. So having that stillness and then also having space to create and put something out there, whether it's on paper, whether it's pottery, painting, right? Whatever it is, I think is so therapeutic too. So, you know, we are a a culture of consumption more than we are creativity and stillness, but I think that is shifting. So even if it's a couple of minutes of quiet time, just to get in tune with your body and your breath can just allow you to feel safe and downregulate that nervous system. So you're not in that fight or flight. And we know nutrition plays a huge role if we get into that fight or flight as well. A lot of women during this time period in perimenopause start to restrict calories. They do hardcore fasting every day, no matter what day it is of their cycle. In that case, and there is a time and a place for some intermittent fasting, depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle. But if we're restricting calories and fasting too hard for too long at the wrong types of our cycle or for, you know, not doing it for then in in kind of support of our hormones, then our body basically goes into fight or flight. It's like I need to find food. I need to survive. I need to have enough calories so I can procreate. So it actually is a stressor on your system. And it could translate to some people in turn in, you know, not sleeping as well. Your body's more in breakdown mode as a as opposed to kind of building and repairing. Um, I always like to talk about signs that, you know, if you're not getting enough calories, not enough 
protein or the fasting window that you're doing is too long, a lot of times, you know, you're going to have low energy. And then when you are eating, you might overeat and pick the wrong foods. Your body is in this state of like need because it hasn't been getting enough and you just can't stop. So a lot of women during this time period have that insatiable hunger or the binge eating um, that can manifest, right? So we want to ensure, you know, that you're fueling properly, you're getting enough protein. We've talked a lot about nutrition in perimenopause and other episodes. We can link to those, um, you know, making sure you're not overdoing caffeine, alcohol, and sugar. This could be a whole other episode. Um, but Tony, was there anything else we should talk about for nutrition? Yeah, because and I'm and definitely we've talked about this before in terms of nutrition episodes, but even sleep episodes, because if your sleep is being impacted by stress, anxiety, hot flashes, night sweats, that kind of thing, if we're getting a poor night's sleep, then we are more likely to reach for more calories or more sugar or other things to support our energy during the day. And then that doesn't necessarily serve and support our hormones properly either. You can get those sugar spikes, sugar drops. Um, it can really make it so much harder to really regulate your emotions and have a nice, stable um, emotional balance. It's And then it's even can be more challenging when it comes to managing your weight and metabolism, which can be a concern for for some women as well. So looking at, a, a, you know, that can be a, a piece where looking at how you're supporting your sleep can impact your nutrition, can impact all your hormones. And then are you reaching for things that are going to maybe necessarily have some not great uh, consequences Um you know, if you're reaching for more sugar or caffeine or alcohol to either um, give you energy or to, you know, relax you, you have to watch for those consequences and, and really ask, is it really serving your hormone health? Absolutely. And we know as, you know, estrogen declines, as it gets lower, we don't feel as satiated, right? And yeah, we, you talked about the sleeping impacted that impacts our choices the next day. Um, if testosterone slowly declining, we do have a harder time building up muscle mass and we actually need to get more protein in, more strength training. So there's so many kind of pieces to the puzzle. Um, but, you know, talk to your naturopathic doctor, your healthcare provider to make sure you're fueling properly because that's um, a piece that's often overlooked too. And there's some great foods to support hormone balance. And we've talked about that in previous episodes as well. But should we go through a couple of case studies, Tony? Yeah, absolutely, Lisa. Yeah, definitely. So I can talk about um, a 46-year-old female patient that I've been seeing. Um, she came to me because she was getting a period every three to four weeks. So it was starting to come a little earlier. It was really, really heavy flow. She had some small fibroids that didn't need to be removed, but they were causing a lot of pressure and bloating. And she needed to take the medication transexemic acid about twice a day for the first two to three days of her flow just to stop it from being as heavy heavy, especially if she had to go into the office at work because she was worried about flooding and accidents. Um, and she talked about her PMS being really bad. I see this a lot where it's like, it almost feels like you have the flu or you're sick for a day or two, because we know there is higher inflammation if progesterone's low. Um, so it's called like a cytokine, you know, cytokines are increased. Um, so you feel more flu-like and achy, like you're getting sick. 
But she also, you know, would get so exhausted during that time and snap at her partner and her breasts were really tender. She had sleep troubles starting like even, you know, seven to 10 days before her period where she'd wake up at like really, really early, like before, way before her alarm with her mind racing and she'd feel a bit, a little bit warmer sometimes. Um, but what what um, we did together was I definitely started her on some adrenal support. The herb ashwagandha is great to calm the nervous system to support sleep. Um, she really liked the Tulsi tea and the theanine and the calcium magnesium liquid before bed. So that really calmed her nervous system. She realized that she was watching too many stimulating shows before bed. How many people are guilty of this, right? It actually revs up your nervous system. So it can be harder to fall asleep sleep or stay asleep because then your body's on that heightened alert because it feels like it's going through what the people on the crime show are going through. So I've kind of gotten to be a big fan of like baking shows or really calming shows. So she agreed to have kind of a more relaxing bedtime routine where she did some journaling wrote down what she was grateful for. And then she became aware of her cycles, like where she was when her period was coming and also using um, like an Apple watch. You can use that or an aura ring to track heart rate variability, um, which we did um, an episode on. We can link to that as well. But that tells us if, if heart rate variability is high, it's actually a good thing, not like heart rate where we want it to be lower. Um, but if heart rate variability is high, it means you're in a good state to kind of do a bit of a harder workout. Um, if heart rate variability is low, it means you're probably not going to do so well pushing it with a hard workout because maybe you didn't sleep so well or where you are in your menstrual cycle. So it might add stress to your body if you try to push it too hard. So she got into the rhythms of her cycle and using that heart rate variability to decide when she was going to do those harder workouts and when she was going to do um, more gentle ones. So all of those made a huge difference. And then a big one for her too, especially with the flow, was taking an oral micronized progesterone before bed from day 10 to, you know, right before her period was due. So she'd take a pill nightly. Um, as naturopathic doctors, we're able to prescribe hormone creams, but we have providers that can modify the prescription to make it like an oral progesterone, for example. We typically prescribe topical estrogen, um, but oral progesterone, oral micronized progesterone has added benefits for sleep, for supporting mood, reducing PMS, and that heavy flow. So she's feeling a whole lot better. She only needs one transoxemic acid the first day and almost as kind of like you kind of like a crutch. She's worried to not take it, especially if she has to go into the office. Um, but all of these other changes has really supported her sleep and her PMS is definitely more manageable. And she's not getting that like flu-like symptom day or two um, before her period starts. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, Lisa. And, I'm, and I mean, in different jurisdictions as well. I mean, I have patients where uh, doing herbal support to, again, support some of that lower progesterone is super helpful. And if it's not quite getting us to where we need to be, looking at a prescription progesterone support can be helpful. Where I am, I don't have any prescription rights at all. So that's where working with some other providers like prescription or prescribing pharmacists or like other medical doctors who are also on board 
with doing, you know, a prescription for oral micronized progesterone can be super helpful. And uh, and again, every everyone is a little bit different that way. Um, you know, even looking at, uh, you know, I have a, a woman that I'm seeing in her um, in her mid 40s, where, you know, her periods are becoming less regular. Um, again, sometimes they're every other month, but sometimes they they are every month. And she's been getting more hot flashes and getting more night sweats, especially, um, you know, before the period. But but sometimes they're even worse when she doesn't have a period at all. And uh, having even a little bit of vaginal dryness, she's really not happy with the health of her skin. She feels like she looks older. And looking at having some of that progesterone support and even estrogen support, there's uh, you know, a couple of, of different hormone prescriptions to look at, um, a biased cream or a vaginal estriol to kind of support that vaginal dryness, as well as balancing that out with some progesterone support. Um, is something that we looked at doing, as well as increasing those phytoestrogens in the diet organic soy, ground flax seeds, even chickpeas have some of those phytoestrogens that can be super helpful, as well as looking at stress and looking at that adrenal support. Um, ashwagandha is helpful as well as rhodiola. And uh, one of the things that you talked about, Lisa, before too, in terms of looking at what else can be going on in terms of blood work, making sure about testing vitamin D and um, definitely with this patient vitamin D was low. So looked at doing a prescription level of vitamin D. Um, here in Canada, prescription level is anything over 2,500 international units to, again, increase that level and then going down um, to maintain that level is important. And again, that vitamin D is a pro-hormone. It has a really important job in terms of helping to support hormonal health as well as minimizing inflammation too. Yeah, those are all uh, so, great recommendations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Sorry, and that and that absolutely, you know, impacts hot flashes and and impacts how you feel too. So yeah, yeah, it's a pretty amazing the options we have now. So typically in early perimenopause, you know, progesterone's like kind of the first go to, and then as I see women, you know, still they can still have vaginal dryness even if they're cycling regularly. You can bring in a vaginal estriol, like a it's like a gentle. I don't want to say gentle, but like it's a different form of estrogen mm-hmm. that you can use. That's mm-hmm. just more local. And then as women progress, you know, kind of when their periods are starting to become further apart, and there's signs of like more consistently low estrogen with the hot flashes, worsening vaginal dryness, um, you know, going a long time without a period, then I bring in like a a hormone cream in addition to what we're already doing. And Tony, you mentioned adrenal support. We know that supports testosterone too, as does, you know, exercise. So there's a lot of, a lot of great tools that you can consider with your naturopathic doctor, with your healthcare provider. So hopefully we've given you, I know it was a little bit longer than I think we were planning to talk for, but, you know, an overview of 
of kind of things that can happen. It's different for each person. Remember, the only thing predictable about perimenopause is that it's unpredictable. And there are supports out there. Before, it was just kind of like you have to push through this time period. And then you were treated with, you know, some women, you know, they get manifested, like are treated as having depression or anxiety. So maybe there was prescription medications for that. And they were diagnosed with arthritis and taken, you know, anti-inflammatory medications for that. But there are other supports, especially if those are being triggered by these hormonal fluctuations. There can be other, obviously, contributing factors to those conditions. But if it's, you know, the hormones are the huge piece there, we now address the hormones. We don't just kind of brush the hormone piece under the rug and try to kind of, you know, just look at it from other angles or perspectives. Absolutely, Lisa. Okay, so I think we did a great overview of that. Again, you can look at some of those other links that we have listed in the show notes if you'd like more information. So let's switch gears, Lisa. How about uh, sharing a super mom moment with us? Oh, definitely. So Friday, Groundhog Day, February 2nd is my birthday and my twin sister's birthday. So we plan to take the day off and go skiing. And it turned out to be a beautiful sunny day. It's been so gray here this winter in Toronto. Um, so we drove a little bit northeast, went skiing for the day, had a blast. The kids came, my son, my two nephews, my dad came as well. Um, Pete and then my brother-in-law came. So we had so much fun. And then I, you know, made sure that I had a bit of time to myself over the weekend too. It's been really busy. Stuart was homesick early last week with an ear infection. So I made sure I had time for a quiet, not walk in nature yesterday. And I did a dance class, which was really fun too. So we had like a lot of social activity, even a family party on Saturday night, but then I had a little bit of quiet time on Sunday. So that was much needed. Um, But Tony, I know you're doing a great job, but can you think of a mess up? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, Lisa, because sure, I can do a great job sometimes, then sometimes it's like, oh, yeah. So a little mama mess up happened on the weekend where I, for some reason, well, again, there's, you know, some changes in scheduling and um, and looking after Frankie now. And I just completely didn't even think about doing her laundry during the week or checking whether I needed to do her laundry. So uh, then Saturday morning came and she had no clean underwear. And now Saturday morning, she has her ninja gym class. So I tried to quickly like throw some underwear in the laundry and clean them and get them dried, but they weren't dried in time. So she actually had to go commando to the gym class. With... So she was wearing leggings. So, I mean, she was protected and yeah, she was like, it feels weird, but she managed okay. So oh, that was resilient. a big mess up. Yeah, we've done that too, where we're like, oh, no clean underwear. He has some luckily backup shorts that he'll wear under his pants. But yeah, it it happens to all of us. You're still doing a great job, Tony. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Lisa. So now, Lisa, what's your mama must have for this week? 
Yeah, since there's been so many illnesses going around, I've really been enjoying the Beekeepers Natural Propolis Throat Spray. So you start, you do four sprays at the back of the throat, you know, if you're traveling for prevention, if you're around someone who's sick, or if you start to feel a scratchy throat, you could do that several times a day and it works amazingly well. So many of my patients take this um, when they travel on airplanes too. And then I've always made the turmeric and ginger tea, but I've now added ground black cumin seeds. I let that all steep together. Um, And then I might add a little bit of honey um, and I drink that. So the black cumin seeds are so great for the immune system. They need to be ground up. Um, And they also have antimicrobial properties, other health promoting properties too. It's almost like a mild oil of oregano. They have like a similar kind of essential oil in there, Um, but it just feels so soothing. Um, Tony, what's your mama must have? That sounds uh, wonderful and delicious, Lisa. Um, My mama must have is a different type of delicious. I have been really thriving off of using and doing chia pudding lately. It's been my go-to quick breakfast that I have along with my uh, protein hot chocolate drink that I've talked about before. It's just chia pudding is just so easy, especially I'm I make it really easy. I mean, just using some oat milk, throwing in a little bit of um, maple syrup and just adding some of the chia seeds, mixing it up, throwing it in the fridge like I make it up the night before, throw it in the fridge. Um, the next morning, I have it there, especially if I need it. I may like leave it for a snack later on. It's simple. It's quick and easy. Good amount of fiber and protein. It's filling. It just lets me go for hours without being hungry. Um, yeah, a real go-to. Thank goodness for a chia pudding. I agree. I revisited it. I used to eat it all the time and then I needed a break, but now I'm I'm back on it. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice, quick and easy one. Um, yes. And then Tony, what, what do you have going on? What do you have coming up? Oh, well, I definitely have my self-hypnosis classes to support health and hormones. Uh, so you can check out the link in the show notes. Uh, if you're interested in tapping into even a deeper level of zen and relaxation and really supporting that mind-body connection for your health. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening today and joining us. Again, you can find our show notes at perimenopausalmamas.com and wherever you're listening to this podcast episode we'd love for you to email and connect with us we'd love for you to subscribe and if you enjoy this episode leave us a review and a five-star rating that helps other perimenopausal mamas find us and please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too stay safe and healthy everyone till next time bye bye, bye.